When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm Ken Absak, and this is Daily Thrones, a quick look at the world of ice and fire. We're still talking our favorite moments and scenes, and I want to go to the end of Season 3, Episode 10, Misa. There's a lot in that episode, without a doubt. We have the aftermath of uh, the reigns of Castamere. Danny is now being, uh, you know, crowned, uh, so to speak, Misa, by the people of Yunkai, and Marine is in her sights. It's big stuff, but one of my favorite moments is from a storyline that, you know, has been, admittedly for me, a little bit disappointing. And that is the Yara Greyjoy, Theon Greyjoy, Balon Greyjoy, the Greyjoy family Christmas. Now, uh, the, the dysfunctional Greyjoy family. But I love at the end when Balon Greyjoy, who uh, is, is not the nicest father in the land, when he is ready to completely give up on Theon. He's not even his son anymore. He doesn't even think that is uh, that that's who he He's a shell of his former self. And he's complete, not just disowned him, but just doesn't even consider him a man or much of anything. But it's Yara. It's Yara Greyjoy who who stands up to this idea, stands up to it, says he is your son. And then I love the sequence when she's like, I'm going to grab like the 50 of the most toughest, badass uh, men of the Iron Islands, and I'm going to command them, and I'm going to go rescue my brother. I'm paraphrasing, of course, but it is a powerful moment. And every time I watch it, I get that sense of that kind of like that rush of uh, adrenaline and, and just kind of excitement for what will come. Like, let's, yes, let's go get Theon. And I just don't think it is uh, that fulfilling in the show, unfortunately. Uh, Yara Greyjoy is an interesting character. Asha in the books, of course, we know. Uh, And there's a lot of great things. She has some great moments. And she's not meant to be, especially on the show, anything more than she is. I don't want her involved too much in uh, what's going on. But even now, her ending, if, if, if... if this is her ending, that she's just kind of captured by Euron and that's it. We don't, uh, at least to my knowledge, don't know if she's 100% confirmed dead. I don't know if uh, if uh, that's confirmed. You guys could maybe help me with that. I'd like to see her back. I'd like to see some kind of a better conclusion to the Theon uh, and Yara Greyjoy storyline. Uh, she does go to try to rescue him. It's key to see how bad, it's another example of how bad Theon is, and you have to kind to show it on the show versus the books you can just kind of read of this creature reek and how far gone theon is gone you understand it a little bit better in the books it's more clear but i i do love this moment it's a great moment it's a fist pumping moment for yar even though it doesn't end up as uh, good as i would want it or some people would want it i love that moment that she's standing up to balon She's her own woman, her own person. She's a powerful warrior, a commander in her own right. She should be queen of the Iron Islands. Euron is definitely not deserving of it just because of who he is. Does he have some have some good r- credits on his resume? Sure. Is he powerful? Sure. Conniving, dangerous, the most dreaded pirate of the, all the seas of Westeros and Essos and, and beyond? Yes, he is. 
but Yara, I think, has an actual claim. And I know in uh, in uh, the Iron Islands, uh, claims don't really mean much. You got to go through that King's Moot. But I do enjoy the character, and this to me is one of, if not her best moment. Uh, I, I think it's. Um, I think it's uh, it's up there, and she's got some other great stuff. The stuff with Danny when her and Danny finally meet is there. But for me, this is peak Yara, and a testament to the character, the core of the character, and a little bit of a, hey, what could have been, but that's okay. Sometimes you just have to enjoy those moments, and Yara rallying the troops and going to save Theon is one of those. What are your favorite moments? Let me know. Call in here on Daily Thrones. Hey, Ken, Kevin Ross. In regards to the Sergiora conversation, it just occurred to me who he finally reminds me of. Uh, in 1963, there was this great big blockbuster movie called Cleopatra. And she had her personal bodyguard who would carry her into the palace in a carpet, uh, was always by her side, etc. and so forth. And his name was Palidorus. And at the very end of the film, uh, he finally expresses his love to her, and she expresses... Uh, and acknowledges it back, but never says that she loves him. I almost think we're going to get a similar scene in Game of Thrones between uh, Ser Jorah and Khaleesi, where he finally says to her, uh, she's probably going to order him out to uh, on some suicide mission, but it's incredibly important. And he will turn to her and say, Khaleesi, I've always loved you, and she will say in very much Cleopatra's form, and I have always known. Thanks. Well, Kevin, you're breaking my heart all, all over again here with this uh, Palidorus, uh, Cleopatra, Daenerys, Jorah kind of circle of painful poetry here. And you know what? I, I actually think you're right. I think that's something – I think kind of we've already seen this in parts. We've seen Jorah say when he thought he was going to go away to die, you know, tearing his eye, I've always loved you. And she just kind of stares at him. And uh, then uh, the this season when he came back. And I do think his 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 uh, return happened fast, but the show obviously moved a lot faster in season seven. But when he comes back, and then he decides he's going to be part of the team that uh, heads on up to North of the Wall, and and, and uh, in that moment, I gotta I gotta admit I I, I gulped hard, gulped heavy. I thought that was going to be. That's going to be how Jorah was going to go. We were talking about it here on Daily Thrones, and I think, Kevin, you're one of the people that suggested that Jorah was going to become a white. Maybe he was the white that they were going to bring back. I know my good friend Michelle Boyd said that, and it broke my heart because it seemed seemed very possible. It seemed very Game of Thrones-like that Jorah would would pay this ultimate price for the woman that he loved that was unrequited love in the end, uh, at least romantic love. I have no doubt Daenerys Stargarian has a love for Jorah. It's just not the love he wants, and I think Jorah understands that. I think Jorah is fine with that. I think he believes this is part of his lot in life. He is uh, very... Uh, he uh, he whips himself there, doesn't that Sir Jorah guy? He has always got... Uh, he's always got some pain in those eyes, and I think it, uh, I think it fits his story. I think it I think he understands that Danny was never supposed to love him. Never should. I don't even know if he thinks it's worthy. He has a unbridled passion and dedication to her and he knows that the only way he can really show it is probably by some martyrdom, some self-sacrifice and he would do the hard he would do the hard missions like going north of the wall for Danny to help her cause. So I don't think you're wrong, Kevin. 
Will De- Daenerys say those words? George R. R. Martin is a student of history and of uh, entertainment history. So maybe he could make some kind of reference there. I don't know. Either way, no matter how it works out. It's sad. I need to go work through my Jorah emotions now. Finally back after a long day of work, and I'm reading this news story that uh, Sophie Turner has pretty much confirmed that Game of Thrones Season 8 will be back in 2019. Now, that's not 100% until someone from HBO or Betty Off and Weiss say it. Uh, you know, I think we're all prepared for 2019, but there's that hope that they could get it done. They could really shag ass and get that thing done and out in late 2018. But it does look... Like, uh, 2019 is more likely, and it, you know, life moves fast. That'll be here before we know it. You guys will be here on Daily Thrones talking about it, but, um, man, I gotta tell you, when you look at, uh, 2018, it's just a few weeks away from starting, then you think, 2019, it's a little sad. <sighs> just, I guess we're just gonna have to keep rewatching the show over and over. Just gonna have to reread the books. And maybe, maybe wins a winner. Maybe wins a winner will actually come out before season eight starts. And 2018 will be the year of the book. And we can talk about that. Daily Thrones is about the world of ice and fire. So we'll be discussing it all. Hey, Ken, Rocky Persinger here, longtime listener, first time caller. Hey, uh, so. On the scale from uh, Makuka to Knapsack, I'm definitely a Makuga. I've only watched the shows so far, but I'm trying to get into reading the books. And uh, so I'm, I'm kind of, I found that I'm carrying these preconceived notions of what these characters should be from the shows over to, to the books, uh, specifically Catelyn Stark. So I'm not the biggest Catelyn Stark fan. I blame her for much of what's happened. And I'm kind of carrying this dirty laundry into reading the book. So my question for you is, should I, you know, how do I leave those, you know, preconceived notions at the door? Or should I just embrace it and let the hate flow through me for Catelyn Stark? Thanks for taking my call. New caller alert. Love those new callers. And it is Rocky checking in with a great question. He's about to dive into the books. And I suggest you all out there, if you haven't. We got time, as I just talked about, 2019. You can start reading the books. Get ready. It really, really does help in the, the, help the, helping? Helping's a word. Help the experience. Broaden the experience. That's what I was going to say. Um, but, uh, and I appreciate Rocky you're referencing the show, uh, trying to get launched over on Collider Video with uh, Josh McCuga. I didn't read the effing books. And we're shooting some uh, more episodes at the end of this week here. And it's a, just a fun show of a, a book reader and a non-book reader and re-watching the show and what questions do we have. So I uh, hope you guys uh, check that out if you want. Slide over to Collider Video and check out the first episode. But as far as hating Catelyn Stark, it's harsh. Do you embrace the hate? Do you uh, do as Palpatine would say and do it, do it? Um, look, here's the thing. Catelyn Stark, there's been, a, there's been times going back to season one. That I just didn't like her. Now, not Michelle Fairley, who's great in the performance. Uh, not any of that. Um, but I just, uh, Catelyn Stark kind of annoys me, kind of drives me crazy. I think she's made some very bad decisions that led to a lot of what was going on. I think that's the right way to look at it from one point of view. But... Rocky, as time's gone on, and, and, and in the books, you, you, you'll get that chance. You'll really get inside her brain. Where 
uh, you'll understand her more. And at the end of the end of the day, this is a passionate, dedicated, fierce mother. And that is where I start to soften my stance on Catelyn Stark. I still don't think she should have taken Tyrion hostage. Still don't think that. Still think she fell for Baelish and may have set up her own husband's death by telling him. I was just watching uh, the episode season three, uh, Lord Snow, where, you know, her and Ned meet again and for the final time. And she's like, oh. Peter Baelish would never violate my trust. He, you know, he, we, he's like a brother to me. Ned, trust this man. And Baelish is just back there like, cool, that was easy. Catelyn Stark made a lot of mistakes. I do think, though, that those mistakes were made out of just this fierce center, this passionate center. And I can't falter for that. Just like I have sympathy for Cersei, it's not fair to say, oh, Cersei's evil, but I kind of like the way she approaches motherhood. And then to completely, uh, on the other side, just disregard Catelyn Stark. So, so Rocky, approach it from that point of view. Reading the books might help change your opinion of Catelyn Stark. I'm not taking away your anger for some of the mistakes she's done. And that includes the way she viewed Jon Snow and, and, and wished him dead and all those things. But she pays that price. I think she missed a lot of that in season three, that uh, it was wrong to do that. So I think when you look at it from that point of view, uh, again, this is a fierce woman in a tough land who's doing anything to protect her family. And sometimes... You make mistakes, but if you're like Alistair Thorne, you just got to realize as a leader, someone making decisions, you might make the wrong one, but you can't second guess it. You got to stand by your decisions sometimes, and I think that factors in a little bit. But Rocky, follow up with us. Call in. And I'm not talking about after your journey. As you read the book, as you read a Game of Thrones, let me know. Call in. I want to hear. It's the journey of appreciating Catelyn Stark here on Daily Thrones.